Who wants to hear about dinosaurs? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be the last time I say dinosaurs, by the way, but we're going to talk about dinosaurs. I did say it again, didn't I? Okay, so I have uh, about 40 minutes now, so there's no way this is going to happen in 40 minutes, but we're just going to try and do it anyway. My name is Trevor. I don't really like to pull punches. Um, I'm going to speak to you very frankly, and we're going to talk about topics that excite me, and I like them a lot. Uh, one of them is God's enemy, Satan. Uh, he doesn't really excite me, but it's an interesting topic to talk about. And what we're going to do is we're going to break down uh, why Satan fell, how Satan fell, when Satan fell, and why that has anything to do with any of us. And in the midst of that, we'll talk about dinosaurs. I know. It's going to be a roller coaster ride for the next 40 minutes. So um, everybody buckle up. Hopefully you're all, you're all tall enough to be on this ride. And um, okay, so let's do this. I have a few questions to start out with. I don't know if any of you have ever had these questions in your entire life as a believer, but I did. Uh, one of them is, uh, when did Satan fall? Another is, why did God put two trees in the garden? Another is, why did God let Satan into the garden in the first place? Um, is God righteous? Is God loving? All these things will hopefully be somewhat answered. So I think you know that this weekend is actually devoted to the Lord, and we're here to learn more about Him and see a vision of Him. But this will give you a little bit more of a context as to... Um, how, do you guys all know that we're the bride of Christ? You, you guys know that? And we're going to marry the Lord Jesus? Okay, well, this bride wears army boots. And so today, we're going to talk about the army boots. So really quickly, I don't have an outline because uh, I think you should make your own outline. So I don't know what you want to write on, but I'm going to give you a lot of verses. And you'll have to go look them up later. So the first, the first one is Ezekiel 28, 13 through 19. In this verse, we see why Satan fell. Why? And it says in verse 17 specifically, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I cast you to the ground. I presented you before kings that they might look at you. So what you have here is Satan. In the context of, of these verses, we find out that Satan was created. He did not exist in eternity past with God. It says that twice in these verses, when you were created. So Satan is a creature. We also find out that he was on the holy mountain of God. And he was representing God in the highest way. He was the highest one in the universe outside of God. So that means he was number two. And everybody knows second place is the first loser. <clears throat> the next thing is, we see that he was a king in these verses. Not the one I just read, but in the verses that I gave you. We see that he was a king. We also find out that he was a priest. 
And interestingly enough, um, you know, oftentimes as a believer, I wondered why, you know, my mom always told me, you love Jesus and you hate Satan. And I always like knew that I should do that. I knew that I needed to hate Satan, but I didn't have a reason to hate Satan. Uh, He never did anything directly to me, I felt. Um, But hopefully this might give you a reason because he hates you. And one of the reasons he hates you is because you have been selected by God to fulfill these offices that Satan got cast out of. Okay? So you will be one that is reigning with Christ as a king. You will be in the priesthood of God. And so we're actually, we are actually, the reason he hates you is because you are taking his job in the universe. Okay, that is why. Now we're going to move on to how. How Satan fell is in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. And in these verses, Satan says, I will five times. And in these five I wills, another will besides God's enters the universe for the first time. So I'm going, to read, uh, I'm going to read these really quick. How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. How you have been hewn down to earth, you who made nations fall prostrate. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will exalt my throne. I will sit upon the mount of assembly in the uttermost parts of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. So this is what was going on. And the the thing is, you know, someone doesn't just say this. There's something that happened in them earlier that caused them to think that they could do this. And that thing is based on the previous verses in Ezekiel. It was his wisdom and his beauty that caused his heart to become corrupted. And oddly enough, when we look at society, who are the two groups of people that claim to not need God the most? A lot of of people think they're too smart for God. I'm too smart to believe in God. And the other are very, very attractive people. I don't know that many models that are saying like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay? And so even to this day, these two things really tear people away from the Lord. And they, they end up like, you know, that's where pride comes from. Okay, so this is why and how. As a Christian, nobody could tell me when. When did he fall? He appears in the narrative of the Bible in Genesis 3.1. It says, and the serpent. So he has already fallen at that point. So we've got to work back. We just eliminated 99% of the Bible. Okay? So we have to, that means that he fell in the first two chapters of Genesis. Nothing existed before Genesis 1.1. Okay, it was only God. And we know that Satan was a creature based on Ezekiel 28. So God created him, and then something, somewhere along the way, this cataclysmic event happened, and God cast him down to the earth. But when did this happen? What do you think, bro? When did this happen? You don't even know, but you're about to find out, bro, because it's all about dinosaurs. Okay. Okay, so Job 38, 4 through 7, actually shows us that the angels rejoiced at the the laying of the foundations of the earth. So all of the angels were there when God created the earth. That means Satan was there 
and he was rejoicing with all of them. Okay. When Satan, when Satan falls is actually found in between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. So in these verses, you have, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The end. There's a period there. That is past tense. He created. It's over. It's done. How do we know that it's over and done? The very next verse, something happens. A lot of different translations say different things here, okay? You can, you can dive into it as much as you want, but I'll just give you the answers and you'll come to the same conclusion. So you can just skip all of that or do it on your own, okay? <clears throat> One of the best translations that I have found reads this way. But the earth became waste and emptiness, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Okay, what does the word but imply? Some translations say yet. Yet the earth became waste. Other translations say the earth was. Well, there's a little problem with using the word was there in the Hebrew context because it is the same word that's used when Lot's wife is running away from Sodom and Gomorrah and she turns around and looks and she becomes a pillar of salt. She wasn't was a pillar of salt. Okay? She became something. That word automatically implies that something was something and something happened to become something else. Okay? So some, something is going on here that we have to figure out. We've got to figure out what happened to make the earth waste and emptiness. And then if we jump to Isaiah 45, 18, there's a very interesting verse that says, Thus says Jehovah. We should listen whenever it says, Thus says Jehovah. Who created the heavens. He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it waste, but he formed it to be inhabited. I am Jehovah and there is no one else. Okay, so now we've got a fairly serious problem because Isaiah 45, 18 clearly shows us that he didn't create it waste. But Genesis 1, 2 says it became waste. So the problem that a lot of Christians have is they read Genesis 1, 1 as a title. This is the title of the chapter. In the beginning or the subject, God created the heavens and the earth. And now all the following verses after this are how he did it. Okay? The problem with that is, again, you can't tell me where Satan falls. But I'm going to tell you where he falls. He falls because I found this last night and I got super amped about it. I've just got to be honest with you. Okay. Job 9, 5 through 7. This is pretty awesome. He who removes mountains. This is Job talking about God. And by the way, Job is the oldest book in the Bible. It's older than Genesis. So he who removes mountains, and they do not know it. He who overturns them in his anger. He who shakes the earth from its place, and its pillars shake. Who commands the sun, and it does not rise, and seals up the stars. When in the world did that happen? Job is claiming that this happened. So we've got to figure out when that happened. And in human history, nothing like this is ever recorded. When did God tell the sun not to rise and he sealed up the stars? When did he overturn mountains and shake the foundation of the earth? So a lot of theologians have actually taken these verses in Job 9, 5 through 7, as when Satan fell. 
when he rebelled, God was so angry that he actually judged the earth. He threw Satan down to the earth and he judged it and he overturned mountains. And this is the really cool part that I like. He literally made it darkness. He said, sun, don't rise today and stars do not shine. So he creates it. Sorry, he didn't create it because it was already created. The difference between created and made is you make a cake because you have the ingredients for it. Okay? Created means you make something or you create something out of nothing. Interestingly enough, in Genesis 1, the Bible does not use the word create after verse 1 because everything is already created. It doesn't use it until he gets to the living creatures and to man because those had not been created yet. So what he's doing in Genesis 1 is he's actually restoring the earth to be inhabited again. Okay? And God likes to judge with water. Satan is going in the lake of fire. I don't know if you guys, the lake, okay? So what do you guys, okay, so you guys hear oftentimes that the earth is probably 6,000 years old when you're growing up in Sunday school. And then after that, you're in school and they're telling you it's 13.8 billion years. And then you're kind of like, well, wait, like, which one is it? You know, and then you kind of lose faith because the Bible sounds ridiculous saying it's 6,000 when the science has all of this information saying otherwise. Okay, so, um, yeah, don't worry. You can believe in the Bible. What the Bible actually is showing us is why you exist, not how you exist. What science shows you is how you exist, not why you exist. Science will never give you the answer of the meaning of your human existence. Okay? Scientists are very empty. They don't know why they exist. The Bible doesn't go into detail that much about how you exist. Because that doesn't really matter. What matters is you need to fulfill God's eternal purpose. And that's the reason why you exist. Okay? So when you mix up those two questions, you get very confused especially when you're looking to the Bible for how. You're never going to find it. Okay? So in this period of time, it is called the gap. I'm just going to call it the gap. Some people call it a theory. I think it's a fact. Okay? It's the gap fact. And the reason it's a fact is there is no other explanation for when Satan fell. None. But he's on the earth. And the earth is in complete darkness. Because... God literally made it not shine. The sun and, and the stars were out of commission. And then all of a sudden, God says, let there be light. He didn't say, and then I create light. He said, let there be. He's allowing it to shine again. Okay? So he says, let there be light. And there was light. And then he begins to start brooding over the water, you know? Oh, so dope. You know what I'm saying, bro? It's so, you know, you know, okay. <clears throat> okay. This is called, before this time, before God starts restoring the earth, is called the pre-Adamic age. It's pre-Adam. Okay. It never says in the Bible that no creature existed before Adam. 
It doesn't say that. So oftentimes when we read the Bible, we need to see what it says and what it doesn't say. Okay? So what it doesn't say is that Adam was the first creature. He wasn't. He was the first man. And man is 6,000 years old. And there's no problem with that. This period of time leaves plenty of room for, here you go, dinosaurs. I know you were all waiting for it. You were all waiting for the dinosaurs, huh? Yes, yes, there you have it, dinosaurs. Okay? How about the Neanderthals? Same thing. Where were they? Well, they're in the pre-Adamic race. How about the woolly mammoth? How about that saber-toothed tiger? You know? How about, how about that gigantic shark that's like, you know, yeah, that thing. I, I can never say it. Okay. I'm going to shift the focus a little bit. How do you guys, how do you guys feel about the gap? Is it, is it pretty clear that something catastrophic happened in that period of time and the earth became waste and emptiness and then the God who restores everything came down and started restoring even his own creation? We don't know how big that gap is. The Bible doesn't tell us. We have no idea. But what we do know is that it could have been 13.8 billion years. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Okay, so you can believe in the Bible. But this is the fun part. God is a judge, and he judged Satan. Does a judge ever carry out an execution? Never. He has to have executioners to carry out the execution of the judgment that he just made. So what's he going to do? And by the way, God is the creator. He's not going to lower himself to a piddly little creature to deal with him. That would be below him. So this creature rebels, and God finds that annoying, and he gets angry, and then he gets over it. And then he, and then he goes through this whole process of restoring the earth because he wants to create something that wasn't there before, that is going to deal with that creature. Okay? This is, this is the context of what's happening right now. So he starts restoring the earth, and then all of a sudden, you know what's so cool? He speaks everything into being. He just speaks, and it happens. So tight. But then he gets to man on day six, and he doesn't speak that. Why? He actually leaves his throne, he goes down to the earth himself, and forms man with his own hands, and intimately blows into him the breath of life, and it creates a human spirit. He does that because he wants to get married. He makes a creature in his image and his likeness, and guess who is sitting there watching? Satan's sitting there watching. And then this is the best part. You don't think Satan heard everything that God was saying? In Genesis 1.28, God says to man, it's his first command to man. He doesn't say, hey, go take care of the garden yet. But his first command is actually 
to be fruitful and multiply, multiply inhabiting the whole earth. And then he says, subdue it and have dominion. Okay, you guys, there is no sin on the earth yet. There's no problem with the animals. In chapter 2, he's naming them all. He's like giraffe, hippo, dog, duck. He's not having to tackle them and put them in a full Nelson. Okay, he doesn't need to subdue any animals. He surely doesn't have to do anything to the plant life. The plant life's not rebelling. The word subdue automatically implies a struggle. There's going to be warfare. If you are wrestling someone and you're trying to subdue them, they're fighting back. So all of creation isn't doing that. So if I'm Adam and God says that to me in Genesis 1.28, I'm going to be like, dude, like, what am I supposed to subdue? Okay? Satan knew exactly, he knew exactly what that meant. He's like, this creature that he just created for the first time was sent to subdue me. You have to understand, when he comes into the garden in Genesis 3, he has to have a reason for going to Eve. It's not just like, this is fun. I'm going to go try and tempt her because that's my job and that's what I do. There has to be a motive behind it. And the motive behind it is he knows that this creature is made to deal with me and I'm going to deal with him before he gets to me. So he goes over and he starts tempting Eve. And there's two trees. Why are there two trees? You know, I, I was like, man, God's kind of messed up. If he, if he just wanted me to eat from one tree, he should have just gave me one option. You know what I'm saying? And then, I'm like, and then like, if he knew that Satan was going to be a problem, then he should have just like said, like, hey, you can't come in here. You know? Like, build a fence, dude. But actually, God had a plan the whole time. There's no romance if there's no option. There's no romance. If all you have is one option, you have one other person on an island, and it's kind of like you look at each other and you're like, well, okay, I guess we should save humanity. You know? But the reason, the reason why there is romance when someone picks you is because they didn't have to pick you. So what happened in the garden is he gave us two options because he wanted to create a romance with man. There was a dual purpose. I want you to eat from the tree of life, which is, by the way, it's, it's me as God. I'm the tree of life. And that other tree, if you eat of it, you'll surely die. It'll bring in darkness and death and sin. Because if you eat of it, you'll be joined to who? Satan. We're not in a neutral state. Adam's the only one that was able to say he was in a neutral state at one point. Okay, and if you don't think you're one with Satan, then you really don't know yourself well enough. The Lord was really clear when he came to the earth. He's talking to the Pharisees. And he calls them brood of vipers. Your father's the devil. And then to Peter, he's like talking to Peter, and all of a sudden he just goes, oh, and by the way, get behind me, Satan. You know, Peter, it's interesting. We ate from the knowledge of good, and it brought in death. 
Forget the evil part because you know what I'm saying? Like you got to like focus on that good part. And so in that context in Matthew 16, when Peter says, oh, surely you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And about six verses later, he says, by the way, you're Satan. And the reason he calls him Satan is because Peter has a good idea. His good idea is that the Lord would not go to the cross and die. Don't do that. That would be a bad thing. It would be good if you didn't die. And the Lord identifies the thought and he shows him, he says, that is Satan in you. So that is a perfect example of showing you that something good, a good thought can be Satan. It's a satanic thought. Okay. Interestingly enough, we got Genesis 1.28 again. We're going to go back a little bit. And in that verse, the Lord, when he's talking to Adam, he tells him that you need to have dominion over the fish in the sea. This is where it gets really, bro, it gets out of control right here. The fish in the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature. Okay, so we're going to break down some stuff right here, and I'm going to like verse you like you've never been versed before. Okay? I don't know if a lot of you know this, but demons and fallen angels are two different things. Okay. Okay. Demons were never made to exist. They were never meant to exist. God never intended for demons to ever be here. What ended up happening was, when Satan fell and God judged the earth, one of the reasons he judged the earth is all the living creatures at the time, the Neanderthals and the dinosaurs, they actually, I said dinosaurs again, they actually joined, (laughs) it was three, okay. So they actually joined themselves themselves to Satan's rebellion, and they were one with Satan. And when God judged the earth, he judged it with water. You know, Noah's Ark, he never says that it was the first time he flooded the earth. He said it would be my last time. Okay? So again, you have to read what the Bible doesn't say. So this is the deal. He judges the earth with water, and now demons dwell in water. How do we know that? They're the fish, by the way. Okay, I got to prove it to you, bro. Okay. So in Matthew 8, 28 through 32, you have these demons have possessed a man and the Lord comes to cast them out. And they ask him, can we go into the pigs? And he says, okay, go ahead. And then they go into the pigs and they immediately run into the water. Why? Why? Well, one of the reasons is in Matthew 12, 43 through 45. You got this, bro? You got to write it down. It says that these disembodied spirits go go around the earth trying to find places of rest, and they're called waterless places. So that means they rest in water. And when they're out of the water, they're looking for something to possess because they don't like being on the land. Okay? In Revelation 20.13, it says that the dead will be brought up out of the ocean and they will be judged. That's referring to the demons. In Revelation 21.2, there is no more sea. God doesn't really like the ocean that much. My, my sister loves the ocean, and I always kind of, she's a surfer and all this stuff, and I joke with her that there, 
you know, in the new kingdom, there ain't no ocean. And she doesn't like that very much. You know, when, in Genesis 1-8, when the Lord is restoring the earth, when God's restoring the earth, it actually, when it gets to day two, when he separates the water, he does not say it was good. It's the only day he skips from saying it was good. So these are all indications that water is where demons are, and he doesn't like them. And guess what? We have to subdue the fish in the water. Okay, he also says the birds of the air. Well, this is when it gets really interesting because the fallen angels are in the air. In Matthew 13, 4 and 32, the birds snatch up the seed of the gospel that's being spoken. The birds come down and snatch it up. And then later on, the birds are dwelling in the tree that the mustard seed turned into. In Revelation 18.2, when it's talking about Babylon, the, the mystery religion, okay? This Babylon represents all of religion. It says when Babylon is destroyed, this is a fun fact. There's only two books in the whole Bible that use the word hallelujah. One is in Psalms, and one is in Revelation. And it's said five times in Revelation, and it's all when Babylon is destroyed. Do you think God wants Babylon to be destroyed? Absolutely. God does not like religion because it's worshiping God apart from Christ. Okay? He wants us to worship Him connected to the Lord. And so, actually, when Babylon's destroyed, it says all the unclean and hateful birds will be removed. Matthew 8, 23-27, when the Lord is on the boat and He's going to the other side, and actually... Satan knows that when he gets to the other side, he's going to cast out demons. And so what ends up happening is this huge storm happens. And then the Lord rebukes the wind in the air, and he rebukes the sea, and it stops. This is the satanic realm trying to prevent him from getting to the other side. Okay, all of these are indications that actually in the spiritual universe... The fallen angels are Satan's air force. Okay? They're above the cities, they're above countries, and they're flying around causing havoc. Satan also has demons in the water. They're like his navy. Who is his army? His army is fallen man on the earth. And guess what? He corrupted man, and then man filled the earth. So he has all three branches of the military taken care of. Bro, if, if I need to subdue the enemy, my question is, how do I do that? Well, we got to fight back. And the way we fight back is the Lord in Hebrews 2.14 destroyed Satan on the cross. It was epic. Okay? The creator became a creature because creature deals with creature. If you want to know why God hasn't come back yet, it's because man has not subdued the earth. It's not because every person on the planet hasn't been saved yet. Because even if he did that, he wouldn't come back. God wants people living his life on the earth to subdue his enemy. 
And the way we subdue the enemy now is the enemy is stuck in us. And when we grow, that subdues the enemy. Because what is growing is God's life. So growth is an organic term. A lot of people think growing is knowing more about God. But I just accumulate knowledge. It doesn't grow. So something that grows is something of life. So when Nicodemus, you know, Nicodemus is kind of like, you know, he's, he's kind of like, man, like that guy knows a lot. And I got to like catch him in like, you know, where nobody sees me because I'm like one of the head teachers. And so I'm going to catch him like in the hallway, you know, down the alley. So he goes up and he's, he's like, hey, Nicodemus, you're, or hey, the Lord, you know, like you got to tell me about all this stuff. And the Lord actually says, you know, Nicodemus, right now you need to be born again. Because your first birth was to your father, the devil. And the life that you have, I'm not going to marry it. I am not going to marry that. You know, the, word, the phrase born again wasn't just like a fun term that the Lord decided to use as an analogy to what he was trying to say. You literally had to be born again. You have to receive my life. I have to become your father. Your old life has to die. Okay, so if you're born a sinner and you're born into the satanic kingdom, it, it clearly states in John 12, 31 that he is the ruler of this world. Okay, so if he's ruling everybody that's a born sinner, how do you get removed from that kingdom? Did anybody, bro, say it. What'd you, what'd you just do, bro? Yeah, bro. Be baptized, bro. You got to be baptized. I'm feeling that. And you know what? God judges your old man with water. You got to be buried in the water. He's always judging with water. You know what I'm saying? Did you guys, did you, did, who got baptized today? Who's going to get baptized today? I'm just kidding. Okay. So the end of this, Matthew 12, 25 through 26 shows us how we can bring down Satan's kingdom. And it clearly says that a kingdom divided cannot stand. That includes God's kingdom as well. So what actually needs to happen is one of the branches of his military needs to fall. And that branch that's going to fall is humanity. Because humanity... There's going to be some within humanity that are going to break and divide from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. That's us, by the way. And so, interestingly enough, oh, this is kind of a, well, never mind, I'll skip that part. You have a question, bro? You good? You, you good, bro? Okay. Okay, does anybody have any questions at this point? Sorry, I didn't talk about dinosaurs that much. Did you guys know that... What's up, bro? Right. I don't know, I just wanted to hear 
So that came later. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that is, you should love the Lord. Yeah, you should do that. Um, so actually, in all of Genesis, there's no law. Okay? The law was actually given to Moses in Exodus. So before that, it was a different dispensation. Basically, dispensation is a different age. So that's why actually in Job 1, it says that Job was perfect. Okay? And according to the dispensation that Job was living in, he was perfect. Okay? It says that clearly in the very you know, first chapter. So Job would not be perfect if he was living now. So the law got more and more difficult as time went on. And then when the Lord comes, everything was outward turns inward. So now it's not just if you lust, it's if you lust in your heart. In the Old Testament, you had to do it outwardly. But now the Lord takes it all inward. So the bar went really, really high. Okay? So that's why, you know, obviously the number one commandment is to love the Lord your God. And that's actually how we subdue the enemy because the bride comes in Ephesians 5 and the warrior is in 6. So we have to love the Lord before we can fight for him. But in the context of what we're talking about, you have to understand the origin of Satan. You have to understand what we're actually fighting against, why he hates me. He hates you because you're supposed to subdue him. And most Christians have no idea that they're supposed to be the executioners that carry out the judgment. They have no idea. They take the words on the cross, it is finished, as it is finished. And what was finished on the cross was the redemption of Christ. Okay? You have no part in getting saved. Zero. But the Lord also said, I will build my church, and then he left. What's up with that? And immediately after saying, I will build my church, he says, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, meaning that there's going to be warfare when you touch building the church. Okay? So obviously, Satan was defeated, but he wasn't subdued. So there's a very famous guy I'll tell you about in World War II. I was a history major. His, his name was Hiro. And he was this Japanese guy that literally was on this island in the Philippines and the Japanese army surrendered and he refused to believe that they surrendered. And so for 30 years, he fought by himself on this island and all, like, he would like kill farmers and stuff. He'd like do guerrilla warfare. And then the Japanese finally figured out that this is our guy still in the jungle and it's 1975. And he needs to get over it, you know? We're already thinking about making Nintendo, and this guy's still... <laughs> and so what ends up happening is his commanding officer came down to the Philippines and relieved him of his command, and that was the only way he would surrender, okay? And he wrote a book about it. He actually was brought back to Japan, and they hailed him this... As, as literally the epitome of the Japanese-like people, that they will never surrender. Okay. This is, was he defeated? Absolutely. The Japanese army didn't exist anymore. Okay. He was defeated. Was he subdued? 
He wasn't subdued. So the Lord actually carried out the judgment on the cross, and he was defeated. But if you watch the news, he is not subdued. Okay? Does that make sense? He wrote a book called My 30-Year War. I just, I don't get it. <clears throat> okay. So I don't know if anybody else has any other questions. I think we have like two or three minutes, if you do. Was this helpful to you at all? Do you understand that angels and demons are two different things, that they were made in the pre-Hedemic race, the age, and it's our job to deal with them? And by the way, it's okay to believe in dinosaurs and the Lord Jesus at the same time. Yeah, what's up? What, or, yeah. Wait, what is it? Oh, he wasn't created imperfect. Actually, in Ezekiel 28, it says you were made perfect. You were created perfect. So at one point in time, he actually turned. He was corrupted. Uh, that's, that was at the beginning. So Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28, it says that you, were, you basically were corrupted by your wisdom and your beauty, and that turned his heart against God. Oh, yeah. Well, they're not like human beings. There's the angelic life and there's the human life but they do have a free will. What's up, bro? Okay, so Genesis 128, it's, it's basically, in, in 128, he says that you have to subdue the fish in the sea and the birds of the air. And basically what I was giving you was verse references sh showing how what it, it was, you know, it's kind of the Bible's kind of secretive. You got to interpret it, you know. So obviously, again, the the actual birds and fish were not a problem at that time. Okay, so it clearly means that there's something else that is a problem that dwells in the water. So the Bible doesn't, you know, Moses when he's writing Genesis, he doesn't just go, oh, by the way, the fish are the demons. Handle it, you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, 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 fish. No, that's fine. Fish, fish are not demons. No, no, demons. <laughs> that's who she's trying to get you, right? Yeah, no, no, it's, it's symbolic. It's symbolic. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I know that believers, they each have demons sometimes because the Bible says it. Yeah. She's asking if, if believers can be possessed. So the, the focus of the entire uh, weekend is the Lord. No, I'm just <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, in, in short, I would just say no. You know, uh, the Lord, he inhabits the house of your heart. 
you know? He's building his home in your heart in Ephesians 3.17. And so if he occupies it, uh, they can't. That doesn't mean that they can't have some outward influence on you. I don't know if they're feeding you different thoughts and things like that. But to actually possess you um, and take you over, I would, I would say no. So don't worry. Sleep well tonight. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, I think, I'm sure, I'm sure animals can be possessed. I wouldn't know when it is. Um, they're, they're possessed in the Bible, obviously going into the pigs. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think you're going to be on your next Southwest flight and you look out and there's going to be a bunch of fallen angels on the wing. I know that was a Twilight Zone episode, but um, for, for, the, for those who are older here, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any outward manifestation of those things besides watching the CNN news. Yeah, what's up? Uh, Right, so those became disembodied spirits. Yeah, because God judged those creatures with water, and that's why they want to dwell in water now. You know, they, they were like a hybrid creation that was never meant to be. And so God can't send them to the afterlife that he sends us because it's not meant for them. So he kind of just like lets them go around. And there's some that have been locked up in Hades, but that's a whole nother thing. But it's super tight, bro. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Should we just, or one or two, or I don't know. Two more. Two, two more. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Okay. Do you do you want do you want the the really un PC answer or the 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 un the un PC answer is is that we should recycle, but but um, it is a satanic thought to think that you can save the earth. I was actually out with a, a brother once and we were preaching the gospel and a Greenpeace person came up to us. And he said, he, I, was, I thought it was a little harsh, but he said, you know, like what you believe is actually a satanic thought that you're going to save the earth. And I was like, whoa, okay, dang. And I thought about it later, I'm like, the audacity to think that. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, but you should recycle. The people come Okay, in. Tim wants, Tim wants that to be it. 